Hello again, and welcome to the Master's Voice. I am Celestial, and you are welcome to this channel. To old and new subscribers, you are very welcome. Please check the three dots menu at the top or look along the bottom row until you see a cog icon. Click that and hit higher quality or advanced so that you can upgrade the quality of your video to 720 or 1080p. Today might be a little lengthier than normal, and I would like to say that this is a very grave prophecy that I'm bringing. This is an end times prophecy blog for the master's voice end times prophecy blog. And therefore, this channel is a support channel to everything that is written at the blog. You can find the website in the description box below. Always check the description to find out what today's prophecy is about. And with further, without further ado, let's go into the prophetic word. This word is called the man of sin. It was given to me almost a year ago, May 24th, 2020. Now, I've spoken about the person that is the object and the highlight of this prophecy at times before, but the Lord brought it up specifically today and said that I should make the video for this word, and then I should go further and read out the portion of scripture that is relevant to this man on camera. For that reason, I'm hoping that this video will not be too long, but even if it is, I invite you to stick with it because God is revealing things here that are very essential for us to know. This is not an American prophecy per se, even though it does involve the nation of America. This is a prophecy for every Christian who ever hears it to take under advisement, to take into prayer and to hear from the Lord personally. What I will say is this, the matters that this prophecy addressed, I also was led into them and the understanding of them by the Father. It did not come to me just from conjecture and it did not come to me just from reading. Each of us is coming from a particular standpoint, a particular paradigm, things that we've heard in church all our lives, things that the visiting pastor came and preached in such an a motivating way that we heard them and we were so glad to believe them. Many things that we have believed from the times of the past may not be what the Lord God actually wants us to believe as his truth. Therefore, it is essential for us to read the word of God. And I always say, let the words speak to you. Do not impose upon the words your pre-existing mindset, your paradigms, or what you want them to say. The Bible is a very rich and beautiful work. It is the heart of God shared with his creation, handed down from generation to generation, so that we will never be without the Lord's sustenance, never be without the Lord's spiritual food, never be without the Lord's truth. In the time that the word of God is taken away from us, it will be a very dark time. And that is why so much darkness will come into man when this word is removed from before the eyes of man. Man loses his way and he loses himself. So please keep these things in mind that God wants us to hear truth because in this video, I will share things that the Lord has said to me concerning this matter. And then it is for each one to do with that information as they will. The banner scripture is this. Samuel said to all of Israel, I have listened to everything you said to me and I have now set a king over you. 
Now you have a king as your leader. As for me, I am old and gray, and my sons are here with you. I have been your leader since I was a youth until this day. So this is the scripture that the Lord brought upon my heart as I was part of an online service nearly a year ago in 2020. This scripture addresses Israel's forced transition from having God and his prophet as their leader to serving a human king, just like the other nations around them. Prior to the time that Israel insisted that they wanted a king like the other nations, the system in Israel was always that God, who was the great king that led this tiny nation out of Egypt with such power, was their only king. And he spoke to them through the prophets. Samuel was a prophet that had come into the earth after 400 years of Israel's disobedience has had caused God to remove his companionship from them and leave them in utter darkness. Because God was no longer with them, they did not have God's right now word to navigate by. And now here was Israel after God had given them a prophet who has served them faithfully all these years. Here were they saying, we want a king now. We want a guy that we can see. We want somebody who's majestic and holds parades and does other kingly things like the kings of the other nations around us. Samuel, you and God are not cutting it anymore. And so Samuel bitterly complained to God, but all God told Samuel is, don't feel bad. It's not you they're rejecting. It's me. It's me that they don't want to lead them. Anoint a king for them and give them that king. And we all know that Saul came and led Israel and he did not please God in any way. And the simple reason for that is because God gave Israel a king who directly reflected the unfaithfulness of their own hearts. And this is not the first time in history that God has done that. And so after I had read this verse, for the Lord did give me the verse, and I've shared that when the Lord speaks to me, I put that above whatever else I am doing and set that thing aside to study what he's saying. As soon as I looked up the verse and I read the verse in context, God began to flood me with information about the end times beast kingdom, the beast and the man we know as Barack Obama. And what the Lord said to me in this particular prophecy definitely did distress me. It did distress me and it made my heart very heavy. As I go into this word, I urge you to please listen because after that I will read the appropriate scripture that the Lord took me through then and today. The king is coming out now. The king is revealed to you. The king is standing right before you now. A man of fierce countenance, a man of hard features, and I don't mean his face. I refer to the weapons of mass destruction he will use against humanity. This man is now standing before you all. He is right in the view of you all, and yet you do not discern him. You look at him, but you don't know who he is. I present to you the judgment of the Lord, the man of the hour, the beast an antichrist, but not the one anticipated by all. He is the beast of Revelation 13. He is coming to power. There is nothing anyone can do about it. I have shared that because I hold the Lord's words in such heart, high regard, I bring them out exactly as I am told them. 
Therefore, the Lord has never said to me that Barack Obama is the Antichrist. And I will not say that until such time or not as the Lord says that. The Lord has always called him the beast. And every prophecy that I have put up calls him the beast of Revelation 13. The Lord continued, Barack Obama is a machete. If you do not know what a machete is, a machete is a type of blade that is usually used in tropical countries that is sharpened on both sides. And the reason that it's kept sharp on both sides is because people usually use it by swinging it so that it can cut to the left and cut to the right without damaging itself. It does double duty as opposed to other blades like kitchen knives that are only sharpened along one side for safety. The Lord says that Obama is a machete, a renowned blade. He is a notable warrior. Please hear these words. By his hand, my church will shrink. My church will dry up and dwindle down to the barest bones it has ever had in human history. Thus saith the Lord God of hosts. The measures that he will, against, he will use against her will cause her to shrink back indeed. Her many limbs shall be cut off, and none but the very bravest of my saints will forge forward unto glory. Many will lose their lives for my sake. My church will be cut down to her smallest size in her existence, and with this pure remnant will I arm and glorify myself. I do not need a crowd, says the Lord. I do not need a crowd to be victorious. I can win with scanty troops, says the Father. I can take victory with few warriors. I will bring many of you home the old-fashioned way, through death, through sleep. Many of my church shall return to my bosom the old-fashioned way, and this is how they will escape the terrible times to come. I will give them rest in my bosom, and I will bring their struggles with this world to an end. Sickness will claim them. Plague will also be an agent of my will. Do not fear an illness that can kill the body, but not harm the soul. Fight your battles if you must, but if I have decreed you must come home, you must come home. This is the word of the Lord. And as the Lord said this to me, I was sad because I have more than five prophecies on the blog. And if I add in the prophecies of martyrdom, they certainly do increase in which the Lord has said that he will use death as an agent of his will. The Lord has said that he will bring many in the church home, not the far away church, the church that exists today. He said that many of his servants will come home in the years that are ahead of us because he is going to use death, which to God is only asleep, to bring them into safety in his rest so that they will not suffer the tentacles, the claws of the beast system. I have shared these dreams at times on the blog, all of the dreams are posted on the blog, but at times in the videos, I have alluded to them that the Lord has said that we do not understand death and we do not see it as he does. He says that death is only a temporary sleep and that many of his people will be brought home by his will through sickness, 
The Lord even said to me once that there will come a time where even if you are praying against the sickness, the sickness will still claim you. It will not be because you did not have enough faith. It will be because it was the Lord's will that you go home. The Lord has said that he will take many of the righteous home so that they will not have to suffer through the terrible times of the beast. The Lord has also said here that Barack Obama is a vicious and double-sided blade. He called him a notable warrior. A notable warrior is someone that is very hard to fight. A notable warrior is someone like Goliath of Gath, a great and powerful fighting champion that when you hear of him, before you even see his size or stature, your heart already begins to beat unnecessarily. This is why David came and found the entire camp of Israel frozen. Not that the Israelite men were not valiant fighters or good warriors, but because when a notable warrior stood before them, they were all frozen. The Lord also says here, I do not need a crowd to win against the beast. I can win with very few troops. And this reminded me of Gideon. God reduced Gideon's soldiers on purpose, excuse me, to only 300 men fighting against thousands of the Midianites. And the reason he did that is so that when they took the victory, they would know that it wasn't because of how many they were, but because that the God of heaven was with them and fought for them. This is what the Lord says. Please listen. Sickness and other means of death will sweep the body of Christ. Hear ye the word of the Lord. Men, women, and children shall depart unto glory to be reunited with their loved ones and the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Death is a sting to us. Oh, how it stings. What sorrow and tears it brings. Yet these were the words of the Lord in my ears. It is for a moment. On the other side of it is eternity with me. No weeping, no hurt or pain, no crying. Only me as the light of your spirit and the joy of your unburdened heart always. I am your rest. You shall have rest for your souls. I continue with what the Lord said to me. The ones who should tremble are the ones who remain and face the beast. My church will face the beast. There will be no rapture before the man of sin arises. He is a mighty warrior and will do valiantly against my church. Many will come home by his hand. Behold, says the Lord Jesus Christ, the time of the martyrs is here. I shared in a recent prophecy, I can't really pinpoint which one it was, but I shared in the prophecy how many times the Lord has said that martyrdom will come before anything else that the church is expecting. Many people have gone to church their whole lives and they have never been taught these things in their proper format. In fact, the prevailing understanding in modern day Christianity is that we will not be tried by anything. 
We will not be tested by anything. Nothing bad will happen to us. And all we need to do is com completely put our faith in what we have been told in the houses of worship, which is that we will be caught up in the twinkling of an eye and everything bad is what will happen to the other people. On this channel, I read out and I prophesy the words of the Lord. Martyrdom will come before that time. And with our eyes, we will see the beast arise and come to power. The beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemy and exercise its authority for 42 months. It opened its mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name and his dwelling place and even those who live in heaven. It was given power to wage war against God's holy people and conquer them. And it was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. Revelation 13, 5 to 7. I continue with the words of the Lord. Barack Obama will cut down the church. He will strike it down using harsh laws and other measures that will choke off her air supply. He will make it nearly impossible for her to operate. She will be forced to become extremely committed and very ingenious in order to continue serving God. The word ingenious means to become extremely wise, very smart, and skillful as a way of achieving your ends. It means that you are able to come up with nimble ways so that you avoid penalties, problems, punishments, and pressures that would arise to limit you, to block or destroy you. Ingenious means having clever ways of doing things that have not been seen before. And here is the image the Lord showed me. I saw a, a teenager, so a youth, I saw a youth at a playground and he was playing on the monkey bars. The monkey bars is this uneven set of bars, sort of like gymnast bars, and you jump from one set to the other as play. I saw teenagers on the monkey bars and wow, he was so good. He was very confident and skillful and he was doing tricks on the monkey bars, swinging right and left, and he never lost his grip. So every time he swung from one to the other, he always managed to connect. And he was shifting his weight on the monkey bars in a way that truly made me marvel. And his feet never touched the ground. So part of the, part of the trick of the monkey bars is that you know how to use them without losing your grip and falling to the ground. This teenager was jumping between the different bars and all the time he never lost his grip to come down. Because when you fall off the monkey bars, it's the turn of the other person. The Lord said to me, this is the church. This is how the end times body of Christ will be. My church will learn how to maneuver in order to avoid the penalties, the persecutions, and the pressures of the end times system known as the beast. She will be nimble. She will be quick. She will do everything that she tries to do to keep her doors open. But hear the word of God. Even so, I have decreed it. Even so, I speak it, says the Lord. The daily sacrifice shall be taken away. Now, before I go any further into this, I move to just share a little bit of personal experience with how the Lord has been leading me over the years. It's understandable if we all come from the mainstream churches or even churches that are not mainstream. The 
understanding that we will not go through anything as the church is very pervasive around the world. In fact, there are very few places that you travel in this world where the Christians are sober. The Christians have an understanding that times of persecution will come. Usually you find that Christians who are living in persecuted places where they're already dealing with earthly persecuted earthly persecution now, they're not allowed to congregate, they're not allowed to gather, they're not allowed to own Bibles publicly and things like that. Those Christians follow a very sober and understanding form of Christianity that is nothing like the extremely wild and permissive, sensuous and fleshly carnal Christianity that you find in more modern centers of the world, such as the United States. In the United States, it's widely believed that, as I said before, no harm will come to us and nothing bad will happen because God's love for the American church is so great that he will never allow her to see persecution. But in my time and years with God, especially as I have received these prophecies over time, I have become a sober Christian. I have become a Christian that goes back to the scripture and lets the scripture speak to me exactly what it is saying. I don't try to put my views on the scripture. I don't skip verses so that I can make things line up with what I might have believed in the past. All I will say is this. God has said to me one time that people will curse him before he finally comes. This is just in private conversation. They will curse my name before I come. And as I was sitting with him today, he brought this analogy to mind and I share it with you. If there is an event that's going to take place at, let's say, 8 p.m., there's an event that's going to be serving great food, there's going to be a live band and lots of awesome things happening at this event. And it's taking place, it's starting at 8 p.m., but a person misreads his invitation and he thinks it's starting at 9.30 p.m., He's going to arrive at 9.30 or even a little later. But if show up at 9.30 or 10, the band would have been playing for hours. All the best of the food will be gone. Everybody would have already boogied until they were tired. And by the time you show up at 10, most adult functions are starting to wind down. Now, this man might show up and still be able to catch a little food on the buffet. And he might be able to hear the last hour of music that the band plays. But he has missed the bulk of the event. He's still caught a little though. But what if there's an event that's taking place at 9 p.m. and someone misreads his invitation and thinks it starts at 3 p.m.? He's going to get there at 3 p.m. or a little later, 3.30, and then he's going to have nothing to do for six and a half hours until the event starts at 9 p.m. If that person shows up very early for something that doesn't start until a lot later, what mood do you think that person is going to be in by the time the event starts? He's all dressed up, but there's no one to keep him company. He came with a full appetite, but there's no food. He came expecting to have a good time, but nothing's happening. This is the analogy the Lord gave me today as I prepared to bring this prophecy. There are many among us, too many, almost all of us who have a particular expectation. And I have never said on the master's voice that God will not meet that expectation. 
but I leave you with the words of the Lord, how they will curse me before I come. Where I stopped, the Lord says that even if the church fights to keep her doors open, hear the words of Yah, for I, the Lord, have decreed it. The daily sacrifice will be taken away. From the time the daily sacrifice is taken away and the abomination of desolation is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits, waits until he comes to the 1,335 days. The daily sacrifice is the ability to offer prayers to God. We no longer offer bulls and cows and the blood of sheep. We now offer our bodies as the living sacrifice. Our praises is a sacrifice. Lifting our hands is the sacrifice. And we do this when we congregate in houses of worship. The Lord says that the right to have the daily sacrifice will be taken away. I continue. Stay with me. Men shall not be allowed to pray on penalty of pain. Men shall not pray on penalty of prison. And in the very last days, men shall not pray on penalty of death. Men shall not pray. Men shall not petition any God. They shall not gather in any place to seek any deity except the one ordained by the beast. The beast will kill and maim greatly throughout the kingdoms. To maim means to cut off body parts. He will maim greatly throughout the kingdoms. He will do wickedly against the church and his power shall prevail valiantly against the saints. Bear in mind that the Lord has said many times in this short reading that the man he calls the beast is a notable warrior and a great fighter. As it was in the days of Daniel, when it was decreed by law that no man shall pray or petition any God except the God of Babylon, so will it be. Just as Daniel's life was threatened through dangerous times when his enemies and competitors came up with laws that changed the times and made it illegal to pray and illegal to seek comfort or help from any other God except the perishable God of Babylon, so will it be again. Read Daniel 6. Men will be barred from prayer. They will be banned from holding any meeting to seek any God except the God of the beast and the false prophet. Now, please understand that if you are a Christian, when it says barred from prayer, we are not the only ones that pray. There are multiple religions around the world that pray. But this here from the Lord is saying that all men will be stopped from praying any prayer, from congregating in any place to seek any God, except the God that the beast and the false prophet will allow. Corporate prayer will be stopped completely and there will be no further pretense about it. So we saw in 2020 that we were told that Corona was very dangerous and therefore we could not congregate because we would infect ourselves in the churches, even though we don't seem to be infecting ourselves at Costco and Walmart. But okay, 
We were told that churches were a dangerous place for the faithful to gather, and so all the churches were closed, and it was a very long time before churches could congregate again. The Lord says that churches will be closed completely this time, and there will be no pretense that the church is coming back. It will be the rules. It will be the laws. It will be the times. There will be no more prayer. The punishment will be very severe. But this is what God says. My church will rise up and she will come up with new and very clever ways to seek my face. She will come up with new and ingenious ways to look for me and to call on my name so that my power can still come down on earth. The enemy, the devil, will seek to cut off my power from this earth, but my remnant shall arise and even call down fire from heaven. The angels of the Lord will work greatly in their midst because they will have renewed fervency, renewed fire, and renewed passion that will be brought about because of the harsh measures present in the last days. If you have read the Bible in the book of Acts, the church went through a lot of persecution after the Lord Jesus left them. So that glorious time when they were formed following the actual God who was walking in his actual sandals on the actual soil of Jerusalem, the miracles they got to watch him do. After a while, all that changed when the Lord Jesus left and the apostles were in charge of the church. After a while, because of the polarizing doctrines of the gospel, that the poor man is the brother of the rich and that there is no class difference, and that a slave is the same as his master in the eyes of this strange God. Great persecution came against those who were preaching, and the church was scattered everywhere after Pentecost. The glory days were over, and now as Nero and other types of Roman government began to rise, Christians were being torn, to part, torn apart by lions, and they were losing their lives. They were being snitched on, and we even see that later on, Peter ends up in jail and has to be freed by an angel. They laid hands on another apostle, and they put him to death. I think it was the apostle James, and things were very different. The church was persecuted, and blood flowed among them. In fact, the Apostle Paul was one of the reasons that blood was flowing among them. He was zealous, but he had no understanding. And so he was killing the very church that he thought God wanted him to get rid of. He was part of the old religious order and Paul put many to death. He sought the Pharisees' uh, permission and he got letters to travel to different cities and kill Christians. It was not a good time to be a believer. Persecuted, persecuted Christians always find a way to seek God in a different way. And like I said earlier, persecuted Christians tend to be much more sober Christians than those who think they are going to escape everything. I will say this, and this is my own view based on what I've seen. When you think that you will not go through tribulation and trials, you tend to have a looser Christianity. You tend to not care about sin and you become a follower of the gospel of don't judge. The reason you follow that gospel is because you don't think that there's any reason to condemn sin because God loves us whether we sin or not. And you feel that there's no consequence because no matter what the situation is, the rapture will fly you away. The only problem is 
that the rapture is only for the exceedingly pure, the exceedingly righteous. The scripture says, and I'm not making this up, when, J when John asked, who are these that are rejoicing before the throne? The Bible says, it is those that have washed their robes in the blood of the lamb and come out of tribulation. So even the people about to kick back who have been raptured, we're not said to have come out of the loose gospel that we have here in the United States. They were said by the angel to have come out of tribulation. Let's continue. The church will be very scanty in the days of the beast, but the true bride will remain. Obama's time of power is now. He will strike my house and the church will lose her limbs, but she will grow even stronger even as he tries to cut her branches down. I, the Lord, will also prune her. False prophets, indecent pastors, these unjust stewards who abuse my little children, these pornographic stewards who expose themselves to the women and children, the robbers who rob my offerings, from the head downward, I will prune. From the head downward, I will cut. From the head downward, I will crush Satan, who has been so bold as to enter my church and take the front seat as the place of honor and leadership. I will make my body whole and pure again. I will purge the sanctuary. I'm sure that we can all understand what the Lord is saying there. A long time ago, the Lord gave me a vision when I was sitting in church. It must have been at least nine or 10 years ago. I was sitting in church and the Lord showed me in an open eye vision a building of a church from the top. So it's like I was floating on top of the church and I saw this church building and then the Lord reached over and removed the roof of the building. And I saw people in the church sitting there, apathetic in worship, paying attention or not paying attention, doing everything that we do in church now, treating God as if we've gone to the movies. And suddenly from the inside of the building, liquid tongues of fire began to fall. But it did not do what the Pentecost fire did. It began to severely burn the people in the church. It burnt and ate away at their flesh. It completely stripped away the fleshly part of them. And what I saw was a new nation. When, when the flesh was taken off these people, they stood up in the church and they began to worship with a very powerful and unified song. They were made of metal. All the flesh burned off them and what was revealed was metal Christianity. Tough, strong, able to endure, no longer following false doctrines and pastors that simply want to placate you by telling you that no matter what you do, God doesn't mind. That vision is such an old vision, but I never forgot it because I knew that God was showing me that he will burn his church, starting from the head on down to the smallest child that has understanding of what right and wrong is. There will be no escape. Judgment will begin at the sanctuary of the Lord. He will test each and every single one of us because nobody is going into heaven with a fake confession. 
If we think that rapture is an escape hatch where God is just going to come and scoop us up because he, he owes us something, we are extremely deceived, very deceived. And the thing is, when you are deceived in times of peace, it doesn't matter. But when you are deceived in times of testing, the times of war, the times of struggle that will come both to America and the entire world, how deep is that deception? When you think that the event starts at 3 p.m. and it's only kicking off at 9. I continue with the Lord's words and here comes a prophecy that I personally call the revolving door prophecy. The Lord says that there will be a great falling away. His phrase was this, Islam will enter the sanctuary and Christ shall depart. I say again, Islam will enter the sanctuary and Christ will depart. The people of Islam, Buddhism, Sikhism, and those who serve other gods will cast away their false gods, lay down their false religions, and come to receive the Son of God as their Savior. But many who have traveled many years with Jesus will grow bitter in the time of waiting, disappointed, disheartened by the persecution and suffering they will face, they will depart the faith. The church will become a revolving door as the tares are swept away and new harvests are brought in by the hardworking servants of the Lord. Let no man become weary because of me, says the Lord. Let no man become offended because of me. Herein is the faith and the patience of the saints. I am gathering my late grapes, says the Lord, and I will press my vintage until the full number of those who will be saved is reached. This is the word of the Lord. And so I've received this word from the Lord and it's in several of the prophecies on the master's voice. It is called the revolving door prophecy. I have had to say many times on the blog that it is very strange to live in a culture that thinks that rapture will come and only snatch up the good and leave all the people who don't know Jesus behind to suffer whatever they suffer. They didn't choose God. They didn't know the gospel because they happened to be born a Buddhist or a Sikh or something else. So who cares? Let them go to hell. Unfortunately for us, and fortunately for them, God says that these people are loved in his heart. He calls them the late grapes. And he said in several prophecies on the blog that Islam will greatly cast away their false beliefs. Buddhism, Sikhs, and many other religions will, fo will follow the God of Israel as their savior. But the thing is that during the time that God is winning these people, Many of the Lord's servants will become offended because the rapture didn't pop off on Tuesday next week, as they are constantly being told. The rapture didn't come at the time they expected. They showed up at 3 when the event was starting at 11.59. As a result, the gap between their expectation and when God intended to do it was too much for their available faith. The Lord has spoken to me about how people are like candles. 
He says to me, Celestial, when you see a person, you are not able to look and tell on the outside how much faith they have. Men are like candles. They have a wick burning inside of them, but some people's wick doesn't go all the way down to the bottom of the jar. As a result, the wick will burn for as long as it exists and it will continue to melt the candle and give off a fragrance for as far as the wick exists. But if the wick stops here and the candle is here where my hand is out of sight, that means that there is no wick left to burn until the end. Many Christians will burn out. And if you've ever wondered why there will be a great falling away, many will depart the faith because Jesus took too long. Many will depart the faith because they grow unhappy with year after year watching rapture prophecies. Any moment now, it's gonna be tomorrow. The Lord told me it will be soon and yet no rapture appears. I practice moderation in my personal life. No one has to follow me. That's just how I do it. Moderation demands that you pay attention to what is in front of you and you assess it soberly. As a lawyer, it's something that all of us have to do. Those who don't practice it don't really get far in their work. So if you are practicing moderation and you are taking things soberly into account, that means that you will read and understand them for what they are. It also means that you will seek the Lord to have his understanding of a matter and not your understanding of a matter. And so I have delivered the prophecy that I received from the Lord, a very grave prophecy that made it difficult for me to focus on things for quite a few hours that day. The man of sin, May 24, 2020. I will now say what the Lord said to me today as he sent me to, to read Revelation 13. And this is the word of the Lord to whoever will watch this video and whoever has made it this far. God says, that Barack Obama will arise among you. This is the word that he said to give. Barack Obama will arise among you and you will see it with your own eyes. He further said, he will greatly destroy among you and you will also see it with your own eyes. He said it twice. Barack Obama will arise among you and you will see it with your own eyes. He will greatly destroy among you, and you will see it with your own eyes. I come now to give a brief paraphrase of Revelation 13. I will point out just the salient parts that point to the prophecy I just read, the parts that the Lord made clear to me very long ago, the parts that I always come back so that I am sober in my understanding of God's word. I stood on the sand of the sea and I saw a beast rising up, having seven heads, 10 horns, and 10 crowns on his heads. On his heads was a blasphemous name. The beast that I saw was like a leopard with feet like a bear and a mouth like a lion. And the dragon gave him power, a throne, and great authority. So you see here that the same creature that Daniel spoke about and the same creature that you will find later in 16, 17, and 18 carrying Mystery Babylon on its back is the beast. Mystery Babylon is the United States of America and it has already been shown in Revelation 17 from the other post, the woman and the bottomless pit, that Mystery Babylon and the beast 
have a relationship. Because they have a relationship, the place that is called the throne of the beast is none other than this nation. However, spiritually, there is something much stronger than just the beast having his throne in one physical location. It says here that the person who makes the beast strong, the person who gives him a throne in the first place, mean a physical location to rule from, the person who gives him power and a matchless authority is none other than Satan himself. And then it says here, I saw one of his heads as if it was mortally wounded and the deadly wound was healed and the whole world marveled and followed this beast. This is showing a parody of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The beast will attempt successfully so to replicate a situation where he is killed before all as our Christ was killed before all, but then also resurrected before all. And because he will successfully pull off this miracle, the entire world will marvel and follow after him. And they will worship him, it says in verse four. They worshiped the dragon who gave authority to the beast and they worshiped the beast himself saying, who is like the beast? Who can make war with him? And the Lord has given me this scripture many times as I have delivered prophetic words about Barack Obama. It goes on to say something that may be very familiar to Americans. And this beast was given a mouth that spoke great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue for 42 months. And then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God and he blasphemed the name of God. He blasphemed the church of God and he blasphemed even those who sit in heaven. So we see here that the great is a, the beast is a great speaker. The beast is what we call in historical terms, a mighty orator. An orator is someone who is very good at speaking, but not only that, it's someone who is able to speak and stir the hearts of people to great heights of passion. We see these people, Mussolini was one, Hitler was one, President Roosevelt was one, and Winston Churchill was one. Um, Martin Luther King was also one. Men who, when they spoke, the crowds, hearts, yearned greatly after them. And when people are stirred to heights of passion, that's how you know that someone was a great speaker. I shared in a recent prophecy that Hitler was such a good speaker that even little children who didn't understand 90% of the words he used would be whipped into a frenzy, waving flags and clapping because the man made the nation feel that they were part of a glorious new day. The beast will be even better than that. And I'm sure you have already seen it on film for eight years. It says that it was given to this beast to make war against the saints and to overcome them. Those words don't need explanation. It says he was given authority over every tribe, tongue, and nation. And everyone who dwelt on the earth will worship him. Listen closely. All who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Now let us understand, if the church believes that she shall not see the rise of the beast, why is it necessary for the scripture to differentiate between two groups of people? It says there is an, a group where everyone is worshiping the beast, but there is another group 
and that group will not worship the beast. This group is known as the people whose names were written in the book of life of the Lamb. These two groups will exist at the same time, gazing upon the same beast. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. He who leads to captivity will go to captivity, and he who kills with the sword must die by the sword. This is the patience and faith of the saints. The Lord is saying in this scripture that even the terribleness of the beast will come to an end. Though the beast takes many into captivity, he himself will be taken captive by the Lord Jesus Christ one day. Though the beast puts to death with the sword, he himself shall be killed by sword. And this is what the saints must wait for and long for. That is the meaning of the scripture. Herein is the patience and faith of the saints. But let us continue. Then I saw another beast that came up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke like a dragon. So this is a person with an appearance of peace. This person will have a great appearance to man as a great peacemaker, somebody who always wants to reconcile everyone together. But the Bible says that his speech will be as a dragon speech, which means that spiritually this person will be roaring with evil. He may not say it into the microphone, but his very words will carry venomous poison for he is a compatriot of the first beast and both of them serve and worship Satan, who is the dragon. It says he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence. So this is basically like a parent who is maybe 60 years old and his child who is 45 years old. The first beast being the 60 year old and the second beast being the 45 year old child. And somebody comes in, let's say the 60 year old is the owner of a company and comes in and says, hey, I would like to speak to you. And the father says, my son is here. Anything you say to me, you can say in front of my son. This is showing you that the two beasts will operate in perfect sync. They will be synonymous with one another. They will work together and the authority of the second, who is like a shorter person, will be coming from the first. And it says of the second beast, this is verse 12, he will exercise all the authority of the first beast in his presence and he will cause the earth and everyone who lives in it to worship that first beast whose deadly wound was healed. This second beast will perform great signs. His power to cause miracles to happen will be so great that he will even make fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight, in the sight of men. He will deceive those who dwell on the earth by those signs that he was granted to do in the sight of the beast. And he will tell those who dwell on earth to make an image to the beast that was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of this beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many who refuse to worship that image to be killed. Here is the controversial verse that has so many people in an uproar. He causes all, both small and great, 
rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark upon the right hand or upon the forehead, that no one may buy or sell except the one who has this mark, the name of the beast or the number of his name. Upon the right hand or forehead, he causes all, small, great, rich, poor, free, slave, to take this mark, that without it, there will be no buying, selling, unless you take the mark and the beast's name number. Therefore, this is saying that if you are going to live in the beast's world and partake in the beast's trade industry, you will have to have this mark. And because so many people, and I say this in caution and I have written it endless times, as God has warned me, I warn others. In this day, the day that has not come yet to some who do not believe it, you will not be able to participate in any form of the world that we know now unless you take this mark. You will be utterly cut off without it and you will be on your own and at the mercy of the Lord without it. And because many will not want to see their children hungry, and because many will not want to be without a job, and because many will not want to flee to the bushes and the hills and live there, they will take this mark because they simply don't want to suffer things for the Lord's sake. And at the time this mark is implemented, the Lord shall release an affliction, a curse. It is called the noisome pestilence upon all who take it. And that curse will be unmistakable because it will sit in the crown of the head, a living, active, and very disgusting sore that will never go away. And once you have that sore in your heart, you will know you have it. And everyone who sees it will know why you have it. The last verse, here is wisdom. Let he that has understanding calculate the number of this beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. The Lord has already named this man to me. I sit before you naming him. I have finished the word of the Lord. I have finished the prophetic reading of the Lord. I have finished giving the right now message that the Lord said, and I repeat it as I close. Barack Obama is coming back to power. He shall arise among you and you shall see it with your eyes. He will greatly destroy and you also shall see it with your eyes. This is Celestial with the Master's voice. God bless you. May the peace of the Lord be with you always. The Heavenly Father is not unjust. He has shared his understanding of what death is to him. He has shared that even before the time that the beast begins to take life from his church, he, God, will be taking from our number and bringing them home to his bosom because he does not want them to suffer the terrible things of the beast kingdom. Thank you for coming to this channel. Thank you if you are a supporter of this channel. Thank you if you are someone who shares these videos. Praise over the videos. Praise for me. Praise for the ministry. Whatever you do, may the Lord return it back to you as a physical and spiritual reward for your souls. Have a blessed weekend. And until I see you again, goodbye.